Here's an impression. See if you can guess what this is. That's me at the bank. Oh, this looks yummy. Thank you, mister. I'm sorry about being so weird. I just really needed this. I think I was starting to fall in love with him. I could see myself living here with Mark in the outhouse. But I knew if I didn't act fast, I wouldn't be able to finish what I had gone there to do. So it was time to ask him about the weed. I want to ask you a question, sure. and I think I think I'm not supposed to, but I, I need to ask you your thoughts about um, cannabis in Colorado. Uh, I don't like it. I don't like it. It's uh, I don't know. It's just, I don't think it's good for people. This was exactly what I was afraid of. I could see there was no way I'd get Mark high. Um, here's Hey, mister, I could suck your dick if you want me to. That is whatever you want. People cried. Most people were silent. I remembered the line from Hindu scripture, the Bhagavad Gita. Vishnu is trying to persuade the prince that he should do his duty and to impress him takes on his multi-armed form and says, now I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. I suppose he likes that one way or another. Welcome back to another episode of the Humor and the Abject Podcast, you death-bringing, world-destroying screedlers. This is Staff Only, the podcast studio manager. On this week's episode, we've got one of our favorite comedian-slash-artists-artist-slash-comedians of all time. A returning screedler. Making their triumphant second appearance. The one. The only. Lorelai Ramirez. Surely, if you are a listener of this podcast, you already know Lorelai well. No introduction is necessary. And yet, this is one. Isn't life just so fucking funny that way? I agree. Let's turn it over to your host, Sean J. Patrick Carney. I'm Ira Glass. Welcome to Jackass. It's episode 96 of the Humor in the Abject podcast. I'm your host, Sean J. Patrick Carney. I wanted to express my heartfelt thanks, Greedlers, for your elegant patience while I took a few weeks off over the winter holidays. Claire and I went on a really incredible road trip that took us through Texas, New Mexico, Colorado, Utah, and Arizona. But I hope that you enjoyed the big 2019 comeback episode with Darcy and Ezekwe last week. And if you listen to that, I hope you're enjoying this Enya song again from the soundtrack to Stephen King's Sleepwalkers. Did anybody else notice that after last week's Stephen King trivia game, he announced on Twitter that there's a new television production of The Stand coming out? Yeah, I don't want to take credit for that, but... It seems like it can't possibly be a coincidence. Anyways, thanks to the new people backing Humor in the Abject on Patreon. You, if you have not yet, can also support the pod by pledging just three bucks a month, which will get you lots of exclusive sound pieces coming via a private RSS feed right into your favorite pod app. And you'll be entered into the monthly lottery to win a custom sound collage that's all about you. I am pleased as punch to be welcoming back comedian and artist Lorelai Ramirez to the podcast this week. 
Lorelai appeared way back on episode 9. A lot has happened since that time, and it was a blast to talk to Lorelai about a whole mess of things. Their monthly show Not Dead Yet is bigger and better than ever, and in December, Adult Swim premiered Pervert Everything, Lorelai's nightmare of an infomercial. But they're not just an accomplished comedian. Lorelai is opening up to the public an event series called Insight Action, which will help attendees learn how to be active in their own communities. We discuss that and how to get involved a little later on in the episode. If you only know Lorelai from social media, I hope that this little conversation is an enjoyable window into the incredible variety of things that they do. Thanks for tuning in. Here's my conversation with Lorelai Ramirez. Lorelai Ramirez, a returning Screedler, welcome back to Humor in the Abject. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. How are you? I'm good. I'm, uh, I've been getting over being sick for a week and a half, maybe a little bit more. Um, what did you- I'm just getting over it. It seems like I am, but I don't know. I don't really know. What did you have? Do you know? I don't know. I've just, I've just been sick. It was like my throat was infected, kind of. It felt infected. And then sinus stuff, like I've been blowing my nose a lot. And it's so much, there's always so much snot, like <clears throat> I can't breathe. Mm-hmm. And Like the most amount of snot I've ever had in my life. Is it kind of rewarding seeing the amount? I guess so, yeah. That I'm like, oh, it's coming out. <laughs> it's not just stuff. So that and then... And then headaches, and then um, almost stomach aches, and and then um, and then diarrhea. Oh, so a bit of everything, kind of like the great. Yeah, uh, just a little taste nice of everything. Yeah. That's great. And then I've been like so worn out and tired, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm trying to get ready for um, shows in LA when I go there. I'm going there like in two days. Yeah, I was gonna ask you yeah. about that in a little bit do some plugs yeah i'm yeah i'm going there i'm super psyched but i basically i've been doing you know when you get sick and and you're not okay you're not supposed to do stuff when you're sick or or you don't get better Mm -hmm. i can't do that so i'm i've I've been doing my best to like so i'll stay asleep most of the day i'll try and then i'll get up and i'll do some like light work and then i always have a show at night so i have to go do the show which includes like traveling to the show, uh-huh. waiting to go up on the show, telling everybody I'm sick on the show, doing a set, feeling good, and then going home. And then that's like my, it's basically like my night job. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't have a day job. So I, I'm like, okay, what can I do? But <laughs> doing those things has, has made me um, not get better Yeah, fast. you're just prolonging, <laughs> so just been, dragging the sickness out. Yeah, it really sucks. It's so bad. Do you get sick often? Some people get sick a lot and then others never. No, I don't get sick a lot, but I've always had like health, weird health issues. That, and I go to the doctor a lot and they're always like, there's nothing wrong. <laughs> God. And I'm like, I know there's something wrong. Give me the t- tests. And then they're like, here's a test. Test say there's nothing wrong. But also I'm on Medicaid. So I'm like, I know the service is not as good with medicaid health insurance yeah because they they straight up say sometimes have said no to me being like can i have this exam they'll be like well you don't really need it oh my god um yeah so now i do acupuncture because i have a lot of stomach stuff so i'm like trying different forms of it's been a weird like health time but i now i don't eat dairy okay and I don't mean, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be invasive about your health. That was a very rude question. I'm just curious about people's... No, I'm, 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 happy to, I'm happy to talk about it just in case somebody out there is like, you know, I'm on Medicaid. Yeah. Why does it seem like people are treating me worse than people with actual health insurance? And it's because they yeah, are. Hello. Because it's a for-profit they industry are. and they're 
blood sucking yeah. assholes. They do not care. No, not at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. Well, uh, you were out of the country for a bit before that. Maybe some of your traveling got you sick, but you just you've just returned to the states a little bit ago. You're going to go to L.A. You're just jet setting everywhere. Yeah, it's it's fun. I've never really had the money to travel before or the opportunities to do that. Uh, going to Chile was my first time out of the country. Wow. I've only been to, well, I've been to Canada. Uh-huh. I've been to, I've driven into Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went to Ireland once with my family when I was 15. But yeah, I am not a well-traveled person either. Um, it's so. very cool. Everywhere is exactly the same. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit about something very big that happened at the end of 2018? And that was that Adult Swim released your 11-minute oh, yeah. infomercial epic pervert everything yeah uh and it's unsettling and disjointed and very nuanced and a little bit of horror and a little bit of comedy which is to say it is very much Lorelai Ramirez um and you wrote and directed it yeah and how long was that in the works when did a conversation about that about producing it begin that started last year um, like beginning-ish of last year with a production company that helped me get the money for it um, called PFFR. Um, they did like Wonder Shows and, and Xavier Renegade Angel, oh. um, The Heart She Holler. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. That guy does stuff with like um, Matthew Barney. They're they're like a collective of three people uh-huh. that used to be a band. Oh. Um, Mm-hmm. So there's Vernon Chapman. That's who I'm thinking of. Yeah, there's John Lee and there's Allison Levy. Cool. And so they they helped you produce it. Yeah. Wow, man. So they helped me get the money because I'm not afraid to say this. Adult Swim doesn't care <laughs> about. Uh, they they have um. I, I don't know if I'll you know I don't even know if I'll really work with them again because they I, the first time I showed them my work they didn't look at it at all. And then I was kind of at this point where I was like, well, you know, I try so hard. I don't know how to network and I never have. Um, I think the next step for me in general, and I, you know, I go day by day is like, oh, um, somebody has to help me. And um, that's, and this person has to be, um, has to have more power than I do. And they have to just give me a chance. Somebody uh-huh. has to give me a chance and that's all I can do. So I'm, I was just like waiting. And then it happened where this person was like, like just straight up like, Hey, I'll, I'll help you out. Um, I'll get you the money. You have to do everything else. And then I, and then that's how it happened. Whoa. Would you describe, um, then I, I know this is a little bit ridiculous, but could you describe loosely or even superficially the plot to pervert everything? Like what happens? I'll put a link to it in the episode description, but what are, what is some of what's going on in it? Um, it's like various characters in, I don't know, like I play different characters that range from, it's like a refinery 29 woman mm-hmm. uh someone on youtube that's just filming themselves in their home and talking about crystals uh bizarro version of me at the end there's um like a really lame type of girl in a horror flick mm-hmm. so I, I just play all these characters and 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 they and create this weird i don't know like story where you can see kind of like, I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> it's, I would it's say they're pretty, like, I've, it's a pretty insane thing. So it's, kind of... things, it's, 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 it's like revealing, revealing these flaws in these recognizable characters uh-huh. that we consume every day. Um, but then, so it's like, it starts with the familiarity of like these, the stereotypes of these types of people and then taking it a little bit further to like, make it really just like unexpected um turnouts with these characters the, so that you feel almost cheated were the characters um i do, i don't think that i recognized them 
from previous things? Were they from uh, performances that you've done, or did you kind of cook them all up for this specific project of creating this short film? Um, most of them are new, except for the um, the like Zizak type is character. That the, the person who is talking about bestiality. The bestiality. Yeah. And then who is, is yeah. Peter is kind of playing opposite you in that? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's great in it. <laughs> the Zizak type yeah, there's a that's a pretty that's a fun scene. Um I think people Yeah, it was really fun. Were there were there pieces or bits or anything like that that you had to kind of leave behind because either just the time constraints didn't allow it or I mean, I guess it's it's most Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's there I have a ton of footage left. Like I have like a crazy amount of footage and takes that we did not use at all because it's only 11 minutes and we like shot so much so i wanted to i want to use it i own it yeah, now so i can use it i was gonna it. ask if you get yeah. to you get to keep it yeah i get to keep it but i Good. like getting into the editing process with it will be another story <laughs> i don't have time to sit down like ever yeah yeah so oh my god and i guess it's kind of that's an interesting thing i was wondering too about if there was stuff that you couldn't include because even though i mean i watched it I, I watched it online um but it did play it does play on television right yeah at like four o'clock in the morning granted but it's on like tv so is there stuff that you yeah. wanted to use that people were like i didn't know um do well they, you got away with a lot <laughs> yeah i got away with a lot i think that's my claim to fame with the freaks uh, is like how did you do uh, that and i was like i i don't know they just didn't really they don't care about me is a, I think the thing <laughs> like they don't they were like oh yeah sure like mostly just legal i just got legal notes of like things legally that i could not include or had to go around like so then i would stuff or yeah there was like copyright stuff there was like location stuff oh. there was like there was like some visual stuff too where we can't outright be super sexual <laughs> or like super graphic so i had to find out ways to kind of subliminally do yeah. it or like like, you know, I couldn't use real kids, so I had to get <laughs> young-looking adults for this part. Uh, and I could – and then um, we had to, like, hide his – this guy's boner. You <laughs> um, had to learn the rules to break the rules. That's what they always say, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. And you could you could get a, a lot. You could you do did a lot. You did a lot. I, <laughs> I was like – I think the reason <laughs> I ask is because I – I watched the whole thing and the first time that I watched it, I'm sitting there and I'm understanding, I'm watching it through the vehicle of my laptop. I'm watching it online. So I'm just thinking, well, I'm not in a mind space where it's like, holy fuck, how did they get that into this? Because it's because uh, right. I'm viewing it on the web. So it, I'm not thinking about that. And then as I was reflecting on it, I was like, this was on TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, but like, remember like Tim and Eric, like the semen filled chicken? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> They had like you know like I think they they crawled it's, so it's you all, could walk or whatever it's called. Yeah, well, well, as long as it's like obvious that it's something else, oh, I think okay. they're like, oh, it's fine, right? If if the consistency um, is wrong, I don't the know, fluid or something. Okay, and yeah, they <laughs> and yeah. so the budget that um you were able to work with with the production company is that the first time that you've had access to that kind of budget yeah the first time ever it was um it was cool it was like apparently it's like the lowest you could do something like that with um but when i heard i remember them telling me how much and i was like what the fuck <laughs> but it all went it's all gone dumped it right into um, your baby that's good yeah which is good. Yeah, that's why I did so much because I was like, I really want to take advantage of this um, and show people what I can do. Well, it came, I mean, the thing that I really, really liked about it was that there's like this effortless way that you're able to combine really high gloss production um, 
with all of the equipment and budget that you had, but there's still all of these really DIY aesthetics of like handheld camcorders and like selfie videos and front facing Uh phone stuff and even like glitch things like that. And did you have freedom to experiment with that or did you feel like you had to kind of, uh, yeah. Toe a line. No, I, I wrote in how I wanted to shoot the things. (laughs) Yeah. They didn't really give me any notes so I could, I did whatever I wanted. It's good. It sounds like you were, um flying under the radar a little bit which is yeah i think so and you brought this really incredible cast to it i mean i saw many people that i recognized in it like anna fabrega and amy zimmer and i think like dan arnaz and jen goma like musicians were involved in some capacity Mm -hmm. but it's got this cool yeah it's got this cool cross-section of all these different kinds of people that are all sort of like comedy or music or art adjacent and it made me think of the monthly show that you run uh not dead yet and i actually mm-hmm. in my notes initially i was going to ask are you still doing it and then i just saw the flyer the other day for one that's coming up on february 17th at come on everybody and i squealed when i saw the lineup it was uh so many people Yay. that i love and you're co-hosting that yeah with amy and anna this time um and and i yeah. saw like Peter B.D. and James Sprang, uh, both people that I love and who I've gotten to interview before are on the show. Um, mm-hmm. Could you talk about Not Dead Yet and what that grew out of? Like, was there a void uh, in shows that you wanted to kind of fill? Because to me, it makes total sense. And I think to a lot of our peers, it makes total sense. But maybe to the average comedy uh, show attendee it's a little out there with how many different types of people you have um i'm just going for gathering some of my favorite artists and performers basically people that i think are truly talented um i feel like sometimes with like comedy shows or any kind of shows it, it can get political like how people book and mm-hmm. stuff you know like like booking based on credits or whatever and or like climbing a ladder. So this for me is like, it's just honestly displaying uh, people that I really love, whose work I really love and respect, and then being able to pay them at the end of the night, um, not just profiting from it myself. So that's that's the, the goal of the show has always been that. Um, and then me, for me, being able to just have fun and be more comfortable. I mean, for, for me, it was like, before before Anna and Amy started participating was just like, how do I find my people? Because I felt very like out of place, mm-hmm. you know? So I was like, maybe if I make this show and you've seen it, you've seen it since like nobody went, you know, <laughs> well, like when it was like a strip. Nobody went. I mean, it was a. Well, it was like intimate. very, it was like 10 people would go. <laughs> it was right by my house. It was awesome. <laughs> I mean, not. Yeah. Not that, not... I mean, you would. I felt I used to feel so fucking bad because I would go to Anna's shows and they were packed. And then like same week, my show and it was nobody. And I was like, oh, my God. I was like, I have to find I'm like, maybe it's a venue, maybe it's a poster, maybe it's me, what is it? And I went through this whole, (laughs) it felt like it was crazy. It was, it was like a really challenging time of my life was like, it, like all my, I felt like shit all the time. And then, so I was like, well, what do I have to do? I wonder. So I worked really hard at it and I was like, okay, so maybe I change the poster every month. Maybe I'm reach out more to different people. Maybe I go out more. Um, and, and then I was also thinking of like, well, most of the crowds in our shows are mostly white. like, so how do I change that up Mm -hmm. too? And so, um, so a lot of it to now where it's like a lot of times it has been like sold out and stuff, which is really amazing, but it's because of like searching for, the people that I wanted to come and not just being like, like standing back and being like, it's going to happen. I'm just like really working at finding more audiences and the people that I want are like more Brown and black people, more trans people, more women, you know, dudes for sure. They'll always come. But like, like everybody, I want everybody to be mingling and watching stuff and having a good time. Yeah. So, so now it's like, you know, it started to be more of, of that and that's been nice yeah i think even the way that something that i thought was really cool is when because you curate video like suites of video work for it too 
and something yeah. that yeah this time I didn't okay not yet because well, that's very fine. tired that's fine. but many of them I've gotten the chance to come and see like videos by people that I'm not familiar with or just people that because my whatever circle didn't overlap with them and it was uh-huh. cool because you would literally I mean when do you really see this you were putting out like an open call and you're being pretty specific right. about like hey I want to feature like a diverse group of people and so please like if you feel yeah. like you can't uh submit your work to things and stuff like that this is a place where you can I think the front end kind of the way that you were promoting it and I don't mean like self-promote I mean simply the way that you were kind of authoring it and putting it out into the world right made it have a very specific tone that I would imagine felt very much to audiences like they could see themselves represented at it and that they would feel comfortable being at it which is not the case at a lot of comedy yeah. kind of mainstream comedy shows so I think you did I mean it sounds like yeah yeah I guess you did see a void and that you worked gnashing your teeth through it to like create the thing that wasn't existing and the audiences that weren't coming together and that's right it's not an easy thing to do at all it's yeah it's it's very hard i've been actually trying to get anna and amy to join me officially but they are it's really hard to run a show so they're like a little bit like i don't know if i want to run a show so i'm like okay uh and I have to like start thinking in a, in a bigger way because I, I produce, I book it, I perform at it. I do the tech edit for other people. <laughs> I'm putting the tech together before the mm-hmm. show. I'm, I'm promoting it, um, like sending it to websites and doing all this shit. And then I'm paying everyone out at the end. And it's like such a big job that I don't get paid for. Mm-hmm. Um, that I'm like, maybe I should have somebody else involved. You know, it's just like getting, I'm just getting like so tired. I run so many shows. Yeah, yeah. Because you do Sloop Jumbly it's, too? Not, not right, right now. now. We okay. haven't. So, but you've yeah. done but we, but so we want many. To. And, you, and yeah. you perform on so many other people's shows and things too. So this on top of all of that is pretty, it's pretty wild. I mean, you are a producer. <laughs> You're really putting the thing together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and I, um, I'm also doing... so. I, I was also doing this thing called visual delicacies on the side, which was a, like an, um, showing short films, uh-huh. which the, with the same idea from not dead yet of like, of like prioritizing people of color, LGBT, whatever, you know, and bringing people together. So now I'm going to do that at syndicated. Oh, cool. Um, really? Nice. Yeah, and we're rename. Yeah, and I'm renaming it, and we're like getting the logo and stuff, and it's going to be called New House, right? Like a new uh-huh. house. Um, and <laughs> so that's so I'm gonna like I'm trying to compartmentalize things so I I don't get too like messy, you know. So I, I want to have like not dead yet, maybe still, or maybe that'll turn into a new show, and then put the videos somewhere else and do that show and not have to worry about it. Um, yeah, and then I'm doing my own solo stuff yeah, yeah. now, which is which is kind of like I want to go, like I want to put all that work I'm doing for Not Dead Yet and put it on my solo stuff. And then I want to have like a really chill show where I don't really have to worry about anything or book anyone. And, and I'll do that with my friends. And I want to have a really cool video uh-huh. show that I, <laughs> where I do it with other people too. And I... I just want to like not work so hard anymore. <laughs> well, the I mean, I've really enjoyed all the work that you put into it. And I think too that did I see? Did, did you have Sam Sachs at one of the Not Dead's yet? The poet. Yeah, I've had okay. him before. Because I remember times. seeing Sam read, and it was at uh, it's at the bar that it used to be at that was near my house in Brooklyn at Star Bar. But Sam read, and it was. The show's super funny. There's some music. There's videos playing and things like that. But it was the first time, I think, that I was at, you know, what was basically a show organized by a comedian that ostensibly is, it's a, you know, a variety show, but it's a, it's a comedy show and that's the bulk of the material. And Sam mm-hmm. read these poems that just were like heavy duty and really, yeah. really incredible. And it was, I, I was just thinking about like how you had 
kind of created the right atmosphere and audience where everybody went there with it. Like really like yeah. turned instantly and they were ready to be receptive and listen to this really serious poetry. Um, and Sam's also got some really funny stuff in his poems too. Yeah. But it was uh, it was really pretty captivating to see that it could do that. And then you could pop up right afterwards and say, you know, thanks, Sam, and then turn on a dime to now there's more funny material. And everybody was willing to do kind of like the roller coaster, which it's yeah. really hard to do with an audience to get them to to have the right kind of audience who has the patience and the and the willingness to kind of be open to lots of different things. I mean, that's it seems so obvious yeah. that you should be able to do that, especially in New York, but not the case all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. You just have to I feel like you just have to make sure everyone knows everyone's trying to have fun yeah. <laughs> are there know. highlights or kind of unexpected stuff from not dead yet shows that did anything happen or anybody kind of surprise you with their set or moments that were pretty kind of stood out for you maybe even when it was difficult and you were thinking maybe i don't want to keep doing this that kept you kind of chugging along um i think all just all of the people anyone who came regularly or anyone who agreed to do it really kept me going because I was like, oh, God, I think of nothing of myself. So it's amazing that these people I respect are willing to do the show. That That's what's like really funny, I feel like, because it's like now I have strangers that like my stuff. But for a long time, it was just like the people I respect liked my stuff. So I was like, OK, well, there's three people at this show. But it's some of my favorite artists, so maybe it's fine. Maybe I'm doing something that's okay. <laughs> so I think that's that's what's kept me going is like the the support of my peers. Yeah, I mean, and you you've created though I think kind of a space that a lot of people know that they can. I I think there's something about I don't know how to phrase this exactly, but there's something about I feel like when people do a show that you've put together. Where by being kind of contextualized by, you know, Lorelai has put this show together. I've seen people do some pretty weird shit that maybe they wouldn't normally do, uh -huh. which is like really kind of exciting. Yeah, I guess I do support. <laughs> I do support that. <laughs> I'm like, just come, just come and go hard. Yeah. Why not? Um, but yeah, it's, it's really fun. I mean, I think I've had the opportunity to get to kind of do things with you a couple times myself and I just remember how it was something about you're really receptive but also very critical and I mean critical in the sense that you think really critically about <laughs> what's going to be funny or how uh -huh. something's going to work or the practical things and even when you uh -huh. and Anna and Amy and I or other people would make up these stupid like improvised sitcom scenarios for people um, it was really fun to work with you and kind of i'd throw something out but you'd have a much more practical kind of way to mold it or be like oh yeah we should do it like this or what if this happens next and it's really kind of i think right. you're very good at seeing a larger picture of the trajectory of something which is probably why you can organize such a successful show and have so many people uh kind of respond so positively to it even if it took a minute like I mean, of of course it takes yeah. a minute. There's a lot of noise going on in New York. Yeah, I really like bringing people together. I feel like that's one of the things. That's why I feel like doing Pervert Everything was so fun because it's like my job was mostly like putting people whose styles I really liked all together and working with them and then just leading them in a certain direction. Yeah. Yeah. And you've gotten to be led a little bit yourself, I guess, in the last year or maybe a little bit more you've been... Uh, you were in Max Rosen's short thread and then in a couple features, a main movie and notes on an appearance. And I was curious if you, I guess I've never really talked to you about it before, but do you enjoy acting in roles that other people have concocted? Like can, is inhabiting those characters pretty natural for you, even if they're not of your own design? Um, I like acting is easy for me. Um, I think that... I I get very angry though. Okay. <laughs> when I think something is stupid. Uh -huh. So that and I think a lot of things are stupid all the sure. time. So that's like my problem with acting like 
if like just being a vessel for somebody else's words, I really like acting where I can play what people give me like space to play and place, place to rearrange stuff. And, um, yeah, like take charge in that way. So that's what I like. Um, but I'll, I'll be in people's things, um, you know, when it's fun. I guess it's very, it's different to, to come at acting from the place where you're coming, uh, to it from, because you are really gifted at creating all of these characters and scenarios and imagining worlds and thinking about, again, like you, you think really critically about even if a character is extremely inappropriate or fucked up or something like that, there's a clear kind of relationship between like what you're saying about power dynamics or about kind of multiple, there's a lot going on in them. And so I guess, yeah, it makes sense to say when you say that if it's somebody else's thing and it's kind of like, oh, this is sort of stupid that you're not just like a traditional actor who's like, direct me. Right, (laughs) right. I'm sure it's a little. Yeah, I don't, I don't like that. (laughs) Because I don't, I don't fully agree with everyone's directing yeah, style. Yeah, either. yeah. Can you tell me what is a woman's smile? A woman's smile is a <laughs> podcast I host with my friend Patty Harrison, uh-huh. where we play monsters. I don't know. We play like kind of like the worst people in the uh, world, the worst women okay. in the world. <laughs> Um, and we make fun of everything, I guess, is the, we make fun of even the things that you think we shouldn't make fun of. Um, the first season ended in September. Is there, is there going to be a season two? Do you have a desire to do that or is it a pretty neat and tidy project? Um, we want to do that, but you know, Patty's famous right now. Sure. Um, so, uh, that's where it is. (laughs) Well, it's, it it was, um, Really, when Claire and I were moving here to Austin, we were listening to it in the U-Haul as we were driving across the country, and I was having a lot mm-hmm. of trouble driving the truck because I kept getting like, <laughs> so upset because I was laughing too much. <laughs> and I was like, at one point, we were in traffic somewhere like around Richmond, Virginia, and I like I couldn't keep listening to it because I couldn't. It was so stressful driving the truck already and all the traffic, and I was like, I need to turn this off. I can't. <laughs> So I had to wait until that's really we were funny. On some more kind of like idyllic roads to to really enjoy it. I was losing; it was too much stimulation for being <laughs> driving a that's giant great. truck. I've, I've, yeah, I've heard people people have told me their stories of listening to the podcast, and it makes me really happy because it's so like creating something so stupid like that. <laughs> uh, is a dream, you yeah, know. Yeah. Well, the other thing is, it's. I mean, the production on it is fantastic. It's really pretty. Yeah, I mean, it's like really good. <laughs> um, For anyone listening, it's actually like really it good. It's not super stupid. good. It's not stupid at all. Yeah. Um, and I also saw recently a flyer for something called Insight Action that you were putting together. Oh yeah. What is, what is yeah. that event all about? So. Um, I've been with my friend Tally hosting like weekly meetings um, since 2016, but like on and off really um, because our schedules get crazy and we don't really know, you know, everything stops Um, just kind of like because of what stuff that's happening politically and just to get people together. So at first it started like we were getting people together, but like to talk about stuff, but everyone had different, you know, judgments of each other and it starts infighting and it gets a little bit uncomfortable. And I was just mediating. Okay. (laughs) Um, All right. Yeah. And, and then, and then it stopped. Um, We couldn't do it for a bit. And then it, we started up again, like sometime, sometime last year year or something sure um we started again weekly meetings but this time we're more action oriented we were like what if we just gather people once a week or whenever we can and every time they meet with us they will engage in an action and then um you know with like nazi stuff that's going on around here it's like well these people are being very active together doing these stupid things. So I'm sure we can do that Yeah, yeah. on our side. And maybe we don't have to get stuck in the infighting process of it by just talking because talking is not going to do anything. Um, 
So we organized some actions to do. We did them with people. And then we were like, okay, let's take those further. Let's make a public event. Um, cause they weren't public before it was just like word of mouth. Mm-hmm. So let's make a public event, make it like a show type of thing. It wasn't really a show. It was just like different presenters talking about different things so that people could learn when they got there, there was an action. People brought canned goods and clothing for this place called princess Janae place. And it was just like, kind of like an orientation of like, here's what we do. Here's what we're about. Um, our next meeting is February 20th. Now that you know us, give us your email. We'll send you an email uh, when we're meeting again. Um, and we're going to do it more publicly now because um, just like all the hate threats and stuff happening here in New York City, like the, the the purpose of the group is to look at, instead of looking at things that are out of our control completely that we can't do anything about and are overwhelmed by we instead look at our immediate surroundings and see what we can do to change stuff here because maybe in that like maybe like with this theory you know like it'll trickle out you know because uh, uh, like thinking about like for example like cycles of abuse right um that all start at home it's like there's so many things that start at home uh weird like hierarchies um start at like Um, any like churches and start in your neighborhood, like everything Mm -hmm. starts where you start. So um, the idea is that we also, we start this new like movement of, of people arming themselves with the tools to protect themselves and other people around them and looking out for each other and doing more work in that way. Um, so that's what we're working towards. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, you guys are you're doing organizing. It's really great. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're organizing, but on like a really basic a basic level for like people who feel like there's so many people I talk to all the time that we talk to all the time that feel so overwhelmed, uh-huh. you know, and they can't e- they can't even make a phone call. They can't go to a protest. They there're just too many things going on. So we're like, okay, how do we empower these people to see that there's power within you just standing there, like your body at a protest is so powerful because it becomes thousands of bodies when everybody's like, Oh, it matters if I Mm -hmm. go. Um, So like bringing, like giving people hope about the power within themselves. And then in turn having them see that like everything matters and it's not just like, Oh God, nothing matters. I'm so overwhelmed. Uh I can't do anything. It's like one person is so powerful, you know? Um, So having them see that. Yeah. Was the one that just happened this past week here? um, Was that the first public one? Yeah. That was the first public one. Yeah. It was very cool to see people. I saw like Lucia Love was part of it. Yeah. Lucia's amazing. And so uh, is it kind of where people, I saw some photos from it too. Were people kind of like presenting on sort of like uh, areas of of focus or how, how did it work exactly? Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, everyone presented, Tally and I presented like what our group is about, what we're working towards, what we want to do with these meetings. Um, and then we had, uh, the whole thing was centered around like community, uh, and well, we just had like different presenters kind of presenting the things that we're trying to work on, you know, like what the things that we want to work on workshops that we might do in the future that they could come to. So like Lucia had like a Nazi watch one where she described like Nazis throughout the ages, um, Nazi groups to watch out for whatever. Um, we have, um, conversations, you know, cause he does his podcast. Oh, like, so you cut out um, for a second there. Who was it? Who does the podcast? Dylan Marin. Oh yeah, who does his yeah. podcast. Yeah, yeah. Conversations with people who hate me. Is that? Yeah. So we had him talk about like the importance of like like um, guiding people through different tactics on how to communicate with each other. Because I, I I mean I personally feel like that is um, that is like an, a big agent in any form of change or uh, peace in communication. It's like oh we have to learn communication uh-huh. skills. And we have to learn how to talk to each other and how to make space for each other, even if we don't agree. Um, 
because we'll never all fully be on the same page. Like that's completely impossible. Um, So we have to like acknowledge that and not just be like, my ideal world is better than yours, you know, because that's more of like an attack. That's cool. It sounds like a sounds like a non neoliberal TED talk series, like one that doesn't but like or also just sort of setting a tone for what you all aim to accomplish, which I think is pretty difficult to people forget to do that all the time, right? Yeah. Just like this is what we're about. This is what we want to do. Yeah. What was great about it was that everyone who came, we had Jewish Voice for Peace, Immigration Equality, this place called Princess Janae Place. Um, what's great about them was everybody everybody was all about like, you know, we're, we're not only fighting for ourselves, or we're not only doing work for ourselves, like we have to think outside of our immediate communities, you know, like no matter like what gender, race, sex you are, like we, we have to like bring each other up, you know? Um, and something, I mean, something similar to that would be like, you know, when you see a homeless person and you help them out with either money or food, you don't know who this person mm-hmm. is. This person could be an abuse. They could have abused. They could be a rapist. Mm-hmm. They could be whatever. But it's like, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. uh, like when you're faced with humanity, in front of you, these things don't matter. What matters is like helping with basic needs like shelter, food, these things. And it's like, well, we, at the base level, this is what we can do for each other as humans. And that's just seeing our, each other as human. And then come the other things, you know, and then comes like learning about what's right or wrong and then discussing about what's right or wrong. But if, if the people around us aren't all educated in the same way, don't have the same access to information mm-hmm. or like food or whatever, it's like we can't be engaging in these heady conversations uh, with each other because it's not going to do anything. We have to find a way to like engage with everybody, yeah, you yeah. know, in whatever way that might be. Um so that's like, it's more oriented of like, hey, yes, we're liberal, whatever the fuck. But we also are critical of just being so liberal. It's not it's not just about like how many people you uh-huh. call and like what you exactly what you know about the system, yeah, how it operates. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. I don't know a lot of stuff, but I do know what I can do to, to change things. And I can do very practical things. I can talk to people. I can stand up for somebody when we're in public, when there's a fight, when some, when somebody's being disrespected, I can carry somebody's stroller. Like you can, yeah. you can do, there's basic things. We, we have power over on ground zero, you yeah. know, there's like a baseline of kind of understanding a certain level of dignity and humility to operate when you're interacting with other people that not that every not that, like you said, there are people are complex and there are nuances and you don't know what a person is that, but Typically, if there's like a, a level of human kind of empathy or dignity between people, the idea of them connecting even without a shared vocabulary is a little more realistic than right. just being like having a syllabus of whatever class you took at Wesleyan and then shitting all over somebody for not understanding why yeah. they're toxic or something, I guess. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of people who are not going to understand that shit, you know, like yeah, it's uh like I know I'm, I'm like, I have the privilege of knowing these things. Like also knowing it's like, I'm non-binary, but I didn't have that language. Mm -hmm. I I didn't have the language for that like four years ago or, you know, it's like, and that's, that was right there. And I, I was judged during those times. And, you know, I don't think that's fair. I, I think it's weird to like, thinking about like power dynamics and stuff, like how weird it is to even try to have, try to get power through being marginalized or oppressed. Like, I don't like that. Um, so I, I try when I, I try as much as I can, you know, like we're always looking to like one up each other, but, um, I try as much as I can to be uh, conscious Uh of that. And cause I felt that so much that it feels bad. And it's like, it's like in my body to like feel like, oh, oh my God, people are trying to make me feel lesser than uh-huh. that I don't ever want to make anyone yeah, feel that way. Yeah. 
That makes a lot of sense. And anyone can. Of course. You know, we all can do it. We, we can all do We all have the power to do that to somebody, yeah. um, whoever when you is are. The, you, you said it just a minute ago, but when is the next one? You said it's in February. It's... Yeah, February 20th okay. is the next one. We don't know exactly where yet. We, we're partnering with, like, this group, this group of, like, they're, like, um... What are they called? Uh, property managers. Okay. So I, 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 tum- I like stumbled into this co- co-op space or something, mm. and I talked to one of the people there because I liked the space. And then they, they, we met with Tally, and they came to the show. And basically, they're like trying to sell apartment buildings here in New York, um, and but they're. Um, the investors in this thing that they're doing, which is basically trying to build like community and co-ops with the people who like live in the buildings. Um, They, um, they need people to see the buildings. Right. So they have all this empty space. And so they're like, Oh, we can provide you space just in turn for people seeing the space. Cause maybe they'd want to live here. and we're like, okay, you know, we'll take what we can get. And um, yeah, it's it's like, it's good apartments. I'm like, oh, wow, these are like really good. And this is the same range as whatever's in this area. Um, they were worried when they met with us. They were like, oh, we, we, we were like worried because this is like a real estate thing. And I'm like, you know what? I'll take whatever I can get <laughs> for free space. Are you kidding me? Like, it's so hard to find space. Yeah. Like, Oh, you want, you just want people to like see the apartments like, yeah, sure. Whatever. And, and they, I also asked them, I'm like, what do you do for like low income people? And they were like, well, we offer, we do offer less rent for people who are active in their communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and and use our spaces to be to create community and be active in that way. Mm-hmm. So they have a really cool thing behind them. You know, maybe they're corrupt, but sure, yeah, knows? we can always build, burn the building down later. But in the meantime, yeah, let's space. burn it down later. But <laughs> let's just use the space. <laughs> no, that's really cool. Um, well, I wanted to talk to um, to kind of round things out here about you. You mentioned these dates that are coming up in LA, and I I understand that you're also going to be in Chicago in March, and you're going to be doing, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this piece that you did at the Under the Radar Festival in New York. Uh, yeah, I'm going to do like a smaller version okay. of it, like a because there, there's a whole like art installation part of it that I can't do without a crew. Yeah. Um, so I'm just doing my version, like my solo, 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 version. solo, super solo. Yeah. Super and solo. So it's, it's called Alive for now, which is sort of, it's like not dead yet. But yeah. Different. <laughs> 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 that's true. Um, <laughs> um, so that's cool. So yeah, I imagine under the radar, you probably had, um, you had like uh, tech people and all that kind of stuff. Cause it's like a festival. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. I had lighting, a lighting crew. I had um, some produce, like assistant producer people. Like I assembled a crew. That's pretty cool. So you're yeah. going to do sort of like a, a road version of it um, out in Los Angeles. And I've got the dates here. You're going to be at uh, The Ruby on February 9th, I think. Yeah. And uh, Lyric Hyperion mm-hmm. on the 10th. So back-to-back shows, yes. that's pretty cool. So people can, I'll put, I saw the links for the tickets. I'll put those in the uh, episode description. And then I think the hideout in Chicago on March 18th, right? Yeah. Cool. I can't believe, I still, well, I don't know. I haven't been to Chicago in a long time, but I've never been to the hideout. I've never been. And that's like Sarah Sherman stomping grounds and all of these uh-huh. other great people. So yeah. I, I. She hooked it up. Oh, really? Yeah, that's very cool. I'm excited for you to go and do those. Is there? Do people need to be prepared for anything, or is it? Can they come and just enjoy themselves? Any primer that they need before they come to a live? For now. Well, I mean, it's uh, 
it's uh i don't know i think they should look at my work and see if they like it and then go <laughs> if you do and then if you if you don't then yeah, don't go don't, you can go fuck um, yourself yeah no no you can go have a good time somewhere else <laughs> uh, well that's really exciting i'm excited that you're gonna go out to la and to chicago and kind of introduce the stuff and i have a feeling that you've got lots of friends who support you in those places and that there's going to be i don't know we'll I, see i think so i mean i always you know in the on the occasions where i was able to convince you to come and do a performance at an art show or something there were always so many people afterwards who were like who the fuck is that? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, that's Lorelai. I feel like that's like my thing is people know. It's like no matter how much I perform, I I feel like I've performed everywhere at this point, but there's always people who are like, who is that? And, I, and, I mean, and I'm like, are you well, kidding me? Like, when is this going to stop? Well, I mean, they ask it not in terms of like, who the fuck was that? But more in like a, who is this? Yeah, I, who I know, is I know. This but it's, it's yeah, it's. Why is this person alive? Yeah, like what? alive for now? Yeah, that's great. But yeah. <laughs> um, well, okay. I'm gonna put the links to the shows in the episode description for people. If you are listening in Los Angeles or Chicago, I'm just. I mean, if somebody's listening to this show, they already know who you are. Um, you already know Lorelai. But on the extremely off Hi. chance that you don't, and you live in one of those places, I would get tickets immediately and take a friend so that you can be really cool when you introduce them to Lorelai. So uh, thank you so much. Come yeah. to the show. Thank you for <laughs> spending some time with me today. I feel like we haven't yeah, gotten no to catch up since I became a Texan, but it was really fun getting to hear what you've been up to and very excited for bright things down the road. So Thank you, Lorelai. Thanks for your support, Sean. Uh, well, I have, I got, I've known you for like five years now, which is kind of crazy. Oh my God, no. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's so long. Remember when you and Anna did the, when Dre booked the quinceañera at Bruce High Quality? <laughs> people got mad at, people got so mad at us. Amazing and yes, well, they were being babies, and that was one of the funniest fucking thing. I was out of town, and I got to watch the video of it, and I was like so upset that I wasn't at it afterwards. <laughs> but they were so mad. There was so much drama. Those were so much fun because we loved getting. People it was mad. all like performance art kids who were like, "Do they have the right to perform this?" And we were just like, "Couldn't you just drop it?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like. Can you just come to the fucking show? <laughs> that should be... That's the poster for your next show. Can you just come to the fucking show? Yeah, can you show? just come to the fucking show? <laughs> okay. Well, Lorelai, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. And to everybody out there listening, we'll catch you next week. Bye. <laughs>